and we welcome you to the Monday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. I am so pleased that we can begin this week of morning show interviews by reconnecting with someone who has been on the morning show on several different occasions, uh, on at least a couple of occasions, very much in her role as First Lady of Carthage College, Cameron Swallow, uh, whose husband, Dr. John Swallow, is the president of Carthage. But Cameron Swallow has also been on the morning show on at least one occasion uh, to talk about the work that she has done with an organization that is near and dear to her heart, uh, an organization that used to be called Better Angels, but now is called Braver Angels, and engaging in largely the same kind of work, but in some respects, maybe work that is a little deeper and a little broader than was originally conceived when the group Better Angels was initially created. And uh, Cameron Swallow was anxious to come back to the morning show to talk about, first of all, braver angels versus better angels and the work that they are doing and the uh, significant challenges that they are undertaking. And also uh, in order to talk about a couple of very special events that will be coming up, uh, one in the very near future, the other towards the end of March, uh, that might be of interest to anybody listening who thinks they want to be part of the story of braver angels and the important work that they are doing to uh, try to bring about a, a bit more harmony and to help us who might find ourselves uh, across wide and painful divides to find some common ground or at least a means to, to better communicate with one another and to better understand one another. So we have all that to talk about. So Cameron Swallow, we welcome you back to the morning show. Thank you, Greg. I always feel warmly welcomed here. <laughs> I wonder just for a moment, if we could talk about uh, what life has been like for you and uh, for your husband, uh, President John Swallow during COVID. Uh, I'm thinking about what life was like for the two of you in terms of Carthage before all of this uh, came about and before all of our lives were so profoundly changed. I find myself thinking a lot about, for instance, the kind of work that your husband has uh, been doing on behalf of Carthage, but how different that has been. And, and even for you in your role as First Lady also, that this has been a very different 12 months than anything that came before COVID for you. Well, it's hard times. It's hard times for everybody, Greg. I um, first want to say we're, we've been in very fortunate circumstances and I don't want to uh, minimize my recognition of that fact, right? We have not gone hungry. We have not been sick. We have not lost a loved one to the disease. Um, we have suffered with people nearby in the um, economic conditions that have um, hit the college as well as hitting the wider world. Um, we have been very homebound. We have ceased travel. We have not visited relatives. Um, we 
you know, a large part of how I saw my identity as the presidential couple at Carthage College was having guests and entertaining in the home and having dinners and having uh, the dining service, you know, in and out of the house for these events. We have no one in the house. We have a long dining table that is empty. We have decided to allow the dog to go into the public parts of the house. He doesn't get to sit on the front room furniture, but he does get to walk in the other parts of the house because no one's here to be. Mm. We'll have a great cleaning of the house when the pandemic is over, but um, we're not keeping him out of the front room because there's no one here to protect. Wow. So Watson has free reign. So for him, it's a happier time, I guess. But yes, for the rest of us, it's such a curbing of some of the things that give us the most joy. And I'm sure you join all of us in hoping for the day when life can begin to open up a bit more and especially the wonderful gatherings that you and your husband have hosted in Trinity House, the president's house at Carthage uh, for those to resume and uh, for life to at least somewhat as we remember it uh, resuming. In the meantime, what we want to talk about, of course, today is this organization to which you've devoted uh, a large amount of time and energy and passion, an organization that, that originally was known as Better Angels. Let's, first of all, uh, for the sake of anybody who's not heard any of our previous conversations, uh, maybe recap why this thing called Better Angels was was first created, when, when and where and why. Okay. Um, the original organization Better Angels was born in the aftermath of the 2016 election when uh, a man named David from Mississippi, who's a blue voter, called a man named David from Ohio, who's a red voter, and they're, they're friends of long standing, and he said, David, help me out here. Can you get 10 Trump voters and 10 Clinton voters in the same room? And we have a meeting and a conversation and talk about what is happening in our country and how the forces of polarization are pulling us apart and what can we do about it? They did gather those 20 people in a room. They, they went, they had a, a long session over a whole weekend. And they found that it was one of those capturing lightning in a bottle moments. They said, if we can replicate this, we should distribute it all over the nation and have as many of these experiences for people as possible. So they right quick and in a hurry scheduled the second workshop and made a documentary film about it. Um, that film is called um, Reuniting America. Braver, Braver Angels story, 50 minute documentary about these workshops, these red blue workshops. And everybody leaves those workshops feeling hopeful as if there is not as much division as we are being told that there is. We're not as far apart as we're being told we are. And the necessary ingredient is time and willingness to engage in good faith, face-to-face -face conversation. That's a difficult thing to scale, but that's the, that's the mission. It's a depolarization mission that works one conversation as a, at a time. Right. As you, as you describe that, it, it occurs to me that 
what was accomplished with better angels, and we maybe explored this in one of our previous conversations, is, I mean, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but in a sense, it, it was twofold. Uh, it was to, in a sense, try to bring people together who felt terribly far apart. But at the same time, it was also an exercise in in realizing that we weren't as far apart to begin with as we thought we were. So, and that seems like two different things. I mean, one is in a sense, clarifying where all of us are. And then in those, in those situations where there is a really painful division or divide to find ways to kind of span that divide. Is, is that a fair way to sum up kind of the intent of, of better angels? Yes, yes. The intent is to depolarize and somehow bridge that divide. And then the effect of each workshop that I've been part of is a sense of both relief and hope that this work may be possible after all. Hmm. A world where many voices are telling us that it's not possible. Yeah. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Cameron Swallow, who is joining us today, not as First Lady of Carthage College, so much as Blue Co-Coordinator of the organization Braver Angels uh, for the state of Wisconsin. Braver Angels, once known as Better Angels, when it was formed in the wake of, uh, I was going to say the most recent presidential election, I mean the one before that, the, the election in which uh, Donald Trump uh, defeated Hillary Clinton. Uh, so explain to us the shift from the name Better Angels to Braver Angels. And is it, in a sense, the same organization, but choosing a, a, a name or title that better fits the work? Or does it also represent a shift in priorities or maybe a, a broadening or a focusing of, of the work? The broadening is happening naturally and anyway. The name change um, has come from an unfortunate duplication of uh, um, attribution to President Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address. Uh, no, first inaugural address in which he um, asked us to listen to the better angels of our nature, right? Um, but unfortunately, the... Um, the, the funding arm of the Ken Burns historical documentaries is called the Better Angels Society. And those two things were just too close to have separate existence. So our organization being the younger one took Braver Angels as a related but separate name and made the best of that situation by saying, moving into the future is going to require extra bravery. Now, continuing with that, um, that decision to move forward with extra bravery, the broadening seems to fit in that narrative, right? Expanding the original red, blue bridging exercise, uh, that mission into bridging the black, white divide and the rural urban divide as well, um, has been an exercise in extra bravery. You're muted, Greg. And we're very intrigued to think about the way in which uh, the work that you're doing can expand into those realms 
and uh, confront some of those divisions, which are uh, every bit as painful and pervasive and, uh, and in some respects, perhaps even more deep-seated uh, than, than that sort of original political divide, which uh, got all of this started in the first place. Uh, explain to our listeners your own relationship to this organization, not only when it was still called Better Angels, but now called uh, Braver Angels. Uh, what, what are the kinds of things that you have done as, as part of this organization? And what drew you to want to be part of it? Uh, you who have already quite a lot on your plate, uh, you wanted to make room uh, for this organization. Well, I'll answer the second question first. Um, what drew me to originally Better Angels was the depolarization mission itself. I come from a divided family, and that is has been the cause of a lot of pain in the lives of my parents, my brother, my children, but the, the whole family, um, certainly for the last four years. And, you know, in things leading up to that as well, all, you know, traceable to the cultural divide in our nation uh, that seems to be getting only worse. Um, I saw this organization popping up in my Facebook feed. And it was one of those um, experiences where you, you click and you say, hmm, that's interesting. And you click the second thing and it's even more interesting. And every new step seemed to be a better fit with a, an interest I already had or a skill set I already had, or um, it fit into the timing and the structure of my life very well. It was just the perfect next step for me to follow. And I became a moderator first, which fit my background as a classroom teacher very well, facilitating, presenting information. Um, then I went to the um, National Convention in St. Louis in 2018, no, 19, no, 18. And I became in that summer, the um, state coordinator for Wisconsin because at that time there was not uh, an active program in all 50 states. Now there is, and I have since found a red partner, co a co-state coordinator. Um, her name is Susan Bergerant, and she's a, a Republican retired legislator who lives near Madison. Um, and we began um, organizing, and she's, she's also a moderator, so we would give workshops in different areas around the state, and we were trying to get um, independent areas to um, create their own Braver Angels alliances so that they could grow their own crop of moderators and give their own series of workshops and expand that depolarization mission in a grassroots local way. Hmm. So explain some of the nuts and bolts of how this depolarization work is accomplished. Uh, and I guess maybe first and foremost, you're going to want to tell us about what happens at, at a Braver Angels workshop? I mean, what kinds of things do you talk about? And beyond that, what kinds of things do you do or do the participants do uh, to, in a sense, move the needle when it comes to depolarization? Well, the original offering, that, that lightning in a bottle moment in Ohio in uh, late 2016, 
was the Red Blue Workshop, and that is still the signature bread and butter of Braver Angels. It takes all day long or four hours on two days if you can get people that uh, to, to commit to that. Um, and the other offerings were conceived later, partly as preparation for that long day intense workshop that does involve direct communication across the divide with someone who doesn't agree with you. And you know that from the beginning. Um, and partly as a way to offer some of the skills without asking people to commit to a whole day, which is sort of a heavy lift. Um, so most of what I have done has been the half day workshops, the two and a half hour, the three hour workshops, and they are called Skills for Bridging the Divide, Depolarizing Within, um, intended for conversations with like-minded people to keep them from veering to be too extreme. Um, and the the new pilot, the, the field test that I just finished today, um, I'm fresh from this experience, is um, depolarizing conversations about race. Hmm. And I've also spoken to rotary clubs and church groups and um, people who are interested in um, possibly hosting a series of workshops. I'm particularly interested in talking to churches that um, have differing um, political alignment or, you know, red or blue alignment, getting together and doing some of the Braver Angels workshops together. Imagine a red congregation and a blue congregation going through workshops together and then creating a group of people who would then want to take on the commitment of the full day workshop after mm -hmm. doing some of the shorter ones together. I, I'm anxious to get to the uh, other two new areas uh, around race and around urban-rural uh, divide, but I do want to stay with this red-blue divide for a moment. Uh, and I think we've talked about this before, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, and that is clarification around whether the role of this organization, Braver Angels, is to make red people less red and blue people less blue? Or is it to make red people and blue people a little more purple? I mean, a little more blended. Is it to move people from where they are on the spectrum? Uh, or is it not really so much about that? Is it more about gaining a better understanding of and maybe sensitivity towards those who are on the other end of the spectrum and who at a glance might seem to be very, very different. I ask that because I think some people might be wary of, of an experience in which they're being, in a sense, asked to, to believe differently than they do. That is my favorite question to be asked about Braver Angels, Greg. Thanks for giving me a chance to answer this one. And I'm even going to try to describe something visual on the radio. <laughs> <clears throat> the, um, the logo for Braver Angels is a red square and a blue square overlapping at one corner. They're overlapping mm -hmm. in a tiny square where their two corners overlap. And you're third grade art teacher would tell you that when red overlaps blue, you should expect purple. 
but in the Braver Angels logo, that little overlapping square is not purple. Mm. It, is, it is empty. It is held open ah. for productive engagement. So no, to answer your question, no one in Braver Angels ever asks a, a blue to be less blue or a red to be less red. We don't ask people to change their principles or give up their identities or, or be disloyal to their backgrounds. We just want them to come into the same room and listen to what other people think and understand them better. Uh, you have more than once in this interview used the word skills, that this organization, Braver Angels, is at least in part in the business of building skills, or maybe in some cases, introducing skills to people who <laughs> scarcely possess those skills at all or, or have no conscious awareness of those skills. Um, uh, we maybe don't even have time to, to list them all, although maybe it's a short list of of big essentials, or maybe it's a whole, a whole lot of things, but uh, give us at least some idea of what kind of skills we are talking about that Braver Angels seeks to foster in all of us. Oh, it's, it's skills that you could find in any kind of conflict resolution training. It is uh, the, the curriculum designer for Braver Angels is named Bill Doherty. And by, by day, by trade, he is a marriage therapist. So we could think of our nation, the blues and reds being in an uneasy, unhealthy marriage and braver angels being the a kind of marriage therapy for trying to heal some of those divides. Interesting. The skills are listening, active listening, paraphrasing, uh, getting buy-in from the other person before you come back with a reply or a retort or, you know, making sure that you've paraphrased what the other person says so that they believe that you were listening to them before you give some other point of view. Interesting. Um, I know that we did talk about this, but I just don't want to uh, miss the opportunity to have you address this again. The whole notion, which of course you did not create specifically, it's those who created Better Angels back in the wake of the 2016 election, who chose to talk about reds and blues, and in a sense really embraced the dichotomy that I think most people felt like was a very good description of, of where we are as, as a nation. I wonder if you could just kind of take us inside that, the, the matter of thinking about people as reds and blues. And, uh, and if you think there's, there's, there's any ways in which we have to be careful about that, um, is that in, in any respect uh, potentially you know, fostering that mindset uh, that some of us are red and some of us are blue? Um, and, and I also wonder then in that, in that scenario, where does somebody belong who really does think of themselves and in fact is rather purple. Uh, I mean, is there a place for them in this work? Ah, 
that is one of the ways that Braver Angels has developed and matured as an organization. Mm. Originally, they didn't want the participation of purples because it would muddy the waters, right? That they were a very dedicated organization trying to depolarize polarized voices that are red and blue and the purples don't belong in that conversation. So go somewhere else and do purple things. We're talking to the reds and the blues right now. Right. They have now invited the purples in Hmm. and purples are entirely welcome to participate in any braver angels activity with with the exception of the red-blue workshop, that signature day-long high-commitment workshop where you really are working across the divide. There, that divide needs to be defined for, mm. for that workshop to work. But everything else, the purples are entirely welcome. Um, a second place that I can see that development is Braver Angels debates, which are spreading like wildfire because of Zoom. Mm. You, you can have a debate as big as you want and you don't have to wait until one comes to your neighborhood. You can join it in Portland, Oregon and be part of the national debate about um, what's a protest, what's a riot, where's the line, right? Um, or you can go to Washington, D.C. and, and, pro- and, and um, debate something that is of, of national importance there. And... Braver Angels debates are particularly effective on college campuses. There's a whole section of college debates and our first one at Carthage College, which is going to be um, chaired by the national debate chair, Doug Spry, is gonna be this coming Wednesday night. Now that's not a public event. It's just something we're very excited about for students and faculty and staff at Carthage College. Um, And I have high hopes for Carthage students to take this forward and run with it and have some events in the future that are open to the wider community. So stay tuned. Um, The reason I started talking about debates in your purple conversation is because when you stand up to participate in a debate, you're debating a single resolution, but it's not necessarily cutting exactly the same way that the red-blue divide cuts, Mm. right? Because not every issue falls exactly on the same culture wars line of the red-blue divide. Also, in a Braver Angels debate, the subtitle is Seeking Truth, Not Victory. So anyone who Mm. speaks is supposed to say nothing more than what they actually believe They're not trying to score extra points for their sides with their rhetorical flourishes. They're trying to say what they believe. And then someone can speak on the other side of the resolution, only saying what they believe. And so finding common ground is expected. And that is something that is not the original um, only red or blue dichotomy that Braver Angels started out with. Right. The third thing I'll say is the race um, workshops. Race cuts our society differently than the strict red-blue divide does. And so working across that divide is um, another broadening for Braver Angels. We're speaking with Cameron Swallow today about the work that she is doing with the organization Braver Angels as Blue Co-Coordinator uh, for 
Braver Angels of the State of Wisconsin. You mentioned earlier that uh, as we are recording this late Saturday afternoon, uh, March 6th, you have just come from what sounds like uh, a very uh, exciting workshop that deals with the broadening concept of Braver Angels that you were just touching upon, namely trying to uh, enter the difficult territory of the racial divide in our country. Um, tell us about what you learned and experienced uh, in this afternoon's workshop and the kind of hope that it gives you for the future. Yes, well, this, um, this workshop was a field test. Um, I attended the pilot back in December, and I'm one of the first moderators to give it as a field test. I'm very grateful for Carthage um, making it part of their um, red, red bracelet um, series of events um, having to do with race on the Carthage campus. Um, I was initially dubious about how well the red-blue frame could be picked up and imposed on the racial divide because as we were just talking about, race cuts differently from the usual culture wars of the red-blue divide. So um, I was pleased to see that this depolarizing conversations about race workshop is conceived not as an opportunity for black and white people to talk to each other across some perceived divide. It is really conceived as a place for white people to talk to other white people about different ways of seeing race. Does that mean that black people are, are excluded from the process? Absolutely not. They are invited and welcome, but they are not being tasked with being the representative of the race and mm. uh, giving the whole um, perspective and carrying the whole weight of, of one quote side of an argument, right? The sides of the argument are well-documented and well-depicted in the written materials of the workshop. And they're not, there's nothing that's particularly racial about them. You can't say, this is the way black people think, this is the way white people think. Mm -hmm. It's it's more, this is how, this is a more conservative view. This is a more progressive view of how we see closing racial disparities, which is a goal we assume that everybody shares. Right. I guess that's one interesting point that you made just now is that for somebody to have a meaningful experience when it comes to this aspect of, of braver angels, there needs to be at the outset, this acknowledgement, this honest acknowledgement that there are disparities that exist right now that should not exist and that need to be addressed somehow. And of course, we're all painfully aware of the fact that there are plenty of Americans and non-Americans for that matter, who uh, are not in that place, who, who would not, see a disparity at all or, or would not be troubled by it or might even embrace it, who knows. So this is about somebody who is at least to that square one of acknowledging the disparity and trying to come to an understanding of what can be done about it. Is that a fair summation? Yes. What is your sense of the kind of discussions that occurred within the organization? I'm not saying that you were 
directly privy to these discussions, but what kind of a step of courage has this been for the organization to want to enter this particular arena and take on this particular issue? I don't know what kind of um, discussions were already underway before George Floyd was killed this summer. I do know that I began hearing about the depolarizing conversations about race and having braver angels take on the subject of race because it was so important and so current. Um, I only began hearing that this summer. Mm. So they're being very responsive to current events. And I think it's, it's brave to say, yes, this is very important. This is the issue of our time. We will not ignore it. We will not turn a blind eye and say, oh no, we only deal with reds and blues. Right. Right. And I should think, uh, I mean, I don't even, it doesn't even need to be said. And yet I'll say that I'm sure for you, as for me, uh, some of these issues became acutely personal or direct or or local, at least uh, with the events, of course, that occurred in Kenosha at the end of the summer. Uh, And, and I should think that that gives for you and, and others uh, in this part of the state of uh, an even greater sense of urgency. I, I, am, I am hopeful that this new workshop about race will be seen as a useful tool for other groups in Kenosha to be able to enter the same conversation. So I feel as if there, there are plenty of people who aren't even able to have a conversation right now. And that's, you know, if we can depolarize and get away from the the buzzwords and the red flags and the the landmines, I call them, of, (laughs) of dangerous communication and people assuming the worst about one another, um, then perhaps we can establish a piece of common ground on which we can stand together and create a future together. Hmm. I'm anxious to spend a few minutes talking about uh, the other area in which Braver Angels is expanding its scope. And that is to take on something that I really feel like a lot of us are only now slowly begin beginning to grasp as a very serious divide and largely unacknowledged the divide between urban America and rural America. Uh, First of all, I'm just kind of curious. uh, You've already mentioned the fact that you come from a, uh, a divided family in terms of red and blue Uh, in your own personal life. Have you also experienced this divide of, of rural versus urban? I mean, has that played out in your own life in a particular ways? Certainly. I, I had a largely rural upbringing. My parents both had a very rural upbringing. Um, anyone in Tennessee, anyone in the deeper South um, grows up feeling as if the rest of the country is looking down on them. Um, even if they don't feel that as a painful burden, they feel it in a 
cultural sense that that makes them stand with their their elbows out toward the rest of the country culturally right even if it's done with a laugh mm. it uh, it's part of your identity, right? Um, I'm very eager to see what kind of materials Braver Angels makes for a workshop about the rural-urban divide. That has not happened yet. Right now, the only things that cross that divide are the one-to-one -one conversations, which um, come in three styles. They come in red-blue, rural-urban, and race. And two people in different categories of, in each of those three um, forms um, make a commitment to have two conversations. The first one's one hour and there's a script. And then you schedule the second one and the second one's one hour and there's a script. And then hmm. people can make up their minds whether they wanna continue that conversation or not. And right now rural urban is, that that's the only function of braver angels that addresses the rural urban divide um, it will be very interesting to see where that goes and also how the question is handled of, for instance are all of us in the state of wisconsin rural americans or you know does someone who lives in the heart of milwaukee count as an as an urban american even though they live within a largely rural state uh, that's just one aspect in which i think it's a a fascinatingly complex question and not uh, not a division that's going to be, I think, easily easily breached. But it's great to know that a fine organization like Braver Angels uh, wants to take part in those kind of conversations. Remind our listeners uh, about the two events to which you want to draw their attention. Um, we, in the world of Zoom, we can invite the whole state Anybody who's interested in Braver Angels in Wisconsin is invited to a Depolarizing Within workshop on Saturday, March 13th from 1 to 3.30 p.m. The Eventbrite registration, which is free, all of this is 100% free, but the Eventbrite registration link is on the Facebook page for Braver Angels in Kenosha. And that's braver-angels of Kenosha. Um, this should pop right up on your Facebook. If you don't do Facebook, you can email me at cameron.swallow at gmail.com to get the Eventbrite link. I'll send it right to you. That's the first event that's happening later in March. That's a workshop. The second event that's happening later in March is inviting people from all over Wisconsin to meet to talk about setting up local alliances for the local furthering of the depolarization movement. And that meeting will be on Saturday, the 27th of March from 1 to 3 p.m., also by Zoom, also with an Eventbrite free registration, also available on the Facebook page for Braver-Angels of Kenosha. Very good. And so for people listening, it sounds like there is a place for someone who very much wants to be a participant and have their voices heard. And there is also uh, a place for someone who feels even more than that, that uh, not only they would like to participate, but potentially even be someone with their oars in the water. I mean, maybe uh, assisting the organization in some kind of leadership capacity. Oh, let me say a little more about that. <laughs> the um, Leadership Kenosha cohort that is bravely working by Zoom 
all, all this year with their monthly meetings, um, one of their small project groups has taken on the project of helping me find balanced red-blue leadership for a local alliance in Kenosha so that the alliance could sponsor, work out a schedule for recruit and uh, advertise a series of workshops, other activities, a discussion group, things that cross all of these divides, the red-blue divide, the black-white divide, and the rural-urban divide within Kenosha County. And the leadership Kenosha group um, hosted an informational meeting in late February, and they are still looking for, ideally, two blues and two reds to lead this alliance in Kenosha. I would love to talk to you about that. Very good. And yes, it's something we've touched on before that, 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 that uh, it can sometimes be a challenge to find an, an equal or roughly equal representation of, of both sides of, of that, the blue-red political divide. And uh, uh, but I appreciate uh, the way in which you are uh, relentless in your determination to achieve that because, of course, it, it is essential to all of this really working uh, to, the, to the best extent it can. I wonder if we could circle back to the personal in a sense. Um, you said at the very outset when you explained your own desire to be a part of what then was called Better Angels about coming from a divided family, that is a family divided between red and blue. Um, I wonder if you could just say a word about uh, the work that you have done with Better Angels and to what extent you feel like it has changed you in a very personal way in terms of, for instance, how you engage in conversations within your own family or within other circles that you are a part of in which uh, you are one color and, and, and there, are, there are others uh, who see the world very differently. Um, has the work you've done in, 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 in uh, Better Angels or Braver Angels made a difference in, in some of those uh, respects? Yes, I think so. Um, it's, it's, it's always hard to realize that you're separated from people that you love in important ways. That, that pain doesn't go away from doing depolarization work, but it does make the, the daily interaction easier because I've, I've learned some skills, right? The first thing I did, I think, was um, become very, very aware of not only my own, but everybody's social media interactions. Mm. Right? I was never a social media fighter, but I did sometimes get into um, a long conversation that could be public on someone's page. I don't do that anymore. If I have something if, that someone posts and I want to talk about it, I talk to them privately. I might send them a private message. I don't do anything in the public sphere anymore. Um, and I wouldn't try to speak in a group. If, if there were a group of like-minded people and I was trying to make my argument to a, a, a group, 
I, I wouldn't. I would wait for a time that I could speak to one or at the most two people because face-to-face -face is just much more effective. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's good to say that uh, for as gratifying as it is to see progress, uh, it, none of this is easy. These are these are stiff, steep challenges that Braver Angels is taking on, and, and the organization certainly lives up to its name. What would you say is the, the most important point of all this? That is, uh, what do we as a nation gain if we manage to achieve depolarization? Um, why is that of significant benefit to us? I believe that polarization is an existential threat to democracy, certainly the stability of our democracy. And I think that if we can become a less polarized society, we can stop the wild pendulum swings of election every two years, every four years, people might could concentrate on something besides their re-election campaign once they get elected. Um, it wouldn't be shameful for politicians to be seen fraternizing with the enemy. People could think about the common good and talk about the common good without being seen to be betraying their principles of their base. Um, I, I think that if we can reduce, and so you're not gonna eliminate polarization, but if we can reduce polarization to a significant degree, we strengthen our democracy to exactly that degree. Hmm. Well, um, I uh, applaud the, the mission of Braver Angels. I hope at some point it becomes possible for me to actually be part of the mix. And I really hope and I strongly suspect that uh, that people who are listening to this interview will similarly be drawn to the mission of this organization uh, and will seek out more information about it. We do want to draw people's attention to the Facebook page of Braver Angels uh, for the state of Wisconsin. And or I think there's a, actually for Kenosha, isn't it? Braver Angels of Kenosha. And again, how should they search for that? It's Braver hyphen Angels of Kenosha. Very good. And otherwise, uh, I think you invited people to email you directly, especially if they're not conversant in Facebook. So I think it's Cameron.swallow at gmail.com. Correct. Thank you. Very good. I'd love to do a workshop for whatever group invites me. Hmm. Cameron Swallow. She is Blue Co-Coordinator for the organization Braver Angels of the State of Wisconsin. Thank you so much, Cameron Swallow, uh, for being part of the morning show. And much more importantly, thank you for the important work that you're doing uh, on behalf of Braver Angels. Best wishes to you. Thank you, Greg.